Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor. And on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors, we're so glad that you're with us today, especially if you're here with us for the very first time. If you're a guest with us uh, in our service or you're watching online, man, we're so happy that you uh, have made it out. Believe it or not, we've had uh, probably in, in the two years that we've been here, I've seen in the last three weeks more new families come to our church and be a part. Uh, it's been amazing. And so if you are a new family, uh, we'd love to see you at that new family dinner. But if you're a guest with us, I always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody shout three times. And here's why, as I know, when you go to the new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. So, you know, please come back. Hopefully we could be your spiritual family. If you are watching online, which we have hundreds of you who do that through, from actually only throughout the entire world, it's been pretty amazing. So we have a great digital audience. Uh, we'd love for you to like, comment, share, leave a review, do something in the chat to kind of be interactive. It'll help us get through some of those algorithms and uh, get the message of Jesus out today. So real quick, I want to just take one second. I, I never do this. I, this is a completely off script thing, um, but I want to take some time to really talk to you for just 30, give me 30 seconds, or y'all give me 30 seconds to talk to you really quick about something serious and really important that's happening in our church is uh, our groups are launching uh, this weekend. And so um, it's amazing. And so um, here's what here's what I want you to do. What I want you to do is we're going to have like a fun interactive moment. Do we have the, the code, Tabby? Just put me a thumbs up. Do I have it? Is it ready? Okay, awesome. Do me a favor. Take out your phones. They're like, can I have my phone in church? Yes, you can have your phone in church. So go ahead and take your phone out. See, even on my phone, I don't even have to open up my phone. I can just hit the camera button. So just go to the camera. Everybody do it with me. Come on. Even if you don't want to get into a group, I just want to show it to you. I just want to show it to you. So do me. Come on. Be interactive. It's okay. We're all going to do it. Show me your phone. Come on. Everybody just show it to me. I want to see your phone. Let me make sure you're all inside. All right. Everybody's helping me out. All right. Awesome. Go to your phone and then zoom in on the QR code because I know sometimes y'all see this and you're like, does it work? We're going to show you that it works. Look at all that. Look, I'm even going to get out the way and look, y'all can just kind of look, just go ahead and then go to the groups area. That's going to take you to our group site and you can sign up for it. But here's what's even cooler about this weekend. You can walk to the back and there is a groups booth and you can sign up and see all the groups there that are important uh, and we're launching this service. We're actually launching several of them coming up in the next several weeks. So this is the perfect time. I would say perfect. Yeah, it's the perfect time to get up on some small groups. It's going to be amazing. You're going going to love it. Be a part of life-changing community. Let me just tell you something. What we really care about in here, I, I care more about you becoming a part of a church family, okay? Like, I'm not trying to build a, a big church. We're trying to build big people. We do that through groups. So make sure you do that. Make sure you be a part of it. Go find one. Guess what? Here's what's so cool about them. They're semester-based, so you don't have to be in them forever. How many of y'all been to that church where you've been in the group forever, and you're like, how do I get off this train? When are they going to stop it? And then the only way to leave is to basically tell the group leader, you're crazy, I got to leave. We don't do that here. So we have a start. We have an end. You can get on. You can get off the bus. You can even try them. If you don't like that one, try another one. This is a great opportunity to do that. That's it. That's all I'm done. That doesn't count to my sermon time, okay? That was an announcement. Everybody say, okay. Everybody say, I got you. We're in agreement. Awesome. Wonderful. We are wrapping up a series today called Soil. Everybody say, Soil. We've been talking about really a parable in the, uh, in the, the Bible that Jesus told uh, during his time on this earth. And it's a famous parable because he really talks about four types of soil that he relates to four types of hearts. And he says, if you got to be careful, and he tells you about these soil because he wants you to examine your heart and see which one you are. The first week in week one, we talked about the hardened heart. And it's a, the, the heart that maybe can't allow for the seed to go deep, the word of God to go deep into your heart. And so you might hear it, but you don't really do anything 
ending with it. The second week, we talked about the rocky heart that you're maybe you're you're you receive maybe God's word with joy, the Bible says, with joy and happiness and emotion, but then it doesn't go deep because there's stuff that's in the way. There's some rocks that get in the way between you and God and going deeper in your faith with the Christ. And then we talked about in week three last week, Pastor Jason, our executive pastor, preached last week, and he did a great job talking about how there are some things in our life, if we're not careful, that can sprout up next to the good things in our life and then choke it out and you don't even know that it happens and they could be good things and that you made into God things and now they're your God and because now they're your God and they're not really God you 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 fall when they fall and so you gotta be careful with some of those stuff there's some mindsets we want to make sure we eliminate but today we're going to talk about what I think Jesus was getting to the whole point it was like hey let's if we can focus on having any kind of a heart let's focus on having this Heart and it's the fruitful heart today, and it's found in Luke chapter eight, verse eight. Luke chapter eight, verse eight. If you don't know where Luke is, Luke is in the New Testament. It's one of the first four books of the New Testament called the Gospels or the Life of Jesus. Luke was a physician, and he wrote a very scientific paper on the life of Jesus and what he did. And he tells the story of Jesus's parable in Luke chapter eight, verse eight. And he says, "Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This is the this is the the fruitful soil. This is the good soil." And this seed grew and produced a crop that was 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he, he does something unique because we find that, and I said this in week one, which, by the way, all of our sermons are on YouTube and on podcasts everywhere. But we see that Jesus actually takes time to explain this parable, which he didn't do a lot. And a lot of times, a lot of times he would just give a parable and then he'd walk away and have a mic drop moment. And then he'd be kind of like, well, we don't know what that meant. And Jesus says, well, let me explain to you what that meant. And he explains it in verse 15. And he says, and the seeds that fell on good soil represent honest Good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a harvest. I love that. Cling, they, they, they hear God's word, they cling to it, and they patiently produce a, a huge harvest. And with that as our backdrop, let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, that you are here today. And Lord, every time I come on this platform and I preach in, in your honor, I pray that I, I would do it well. But, but God, more I pray more than anything that your spirit would move, that your spirit would say something, that God, my words are nothing without you. Let there be not just information transfer. Let there may be some transformation that happens in this place where maybe we hear something for us and we walk out of here different than the way we walked in, in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody shout amen. amen. I, uh, I remember reading this as a as a young boy in church and um one thing has always stood out to me about about jesus is that he, he has a way with words that that kind of make you think and one of the words that he says here that always kind of settled in my spirit is the way that he used the word hear this phrase that he they hear god's word they hear god's word and it reminded me of a story i read in a book one time and i wanted to read the story too because i thought it was a perfect analogy of what jesus was was talking about and it's a it's a story about morse code i'm gonna read it to you and so follow along i read quick you probably already know that i talk really fast but just read y'all have to just stay locked in be engaged all right so he says this this is what the story goes on to say it says back when the telegraph was the fastest method of long distance communication a man applied for a job in a morse code as a morse code operator answering an ad in the newspaper how many y'all remember when newspaper were come on yeah like we're, when they were actually newspaper there were things that printed on paper and they actually you know printed news instead of opinion anyway and so he went to the address that was listed and when he arrived he entered a large busy office filled with noise including a sound of a telegraph in the background now that's important we'll come back to it he said a sign on the receptionist counter receptionist counter instructed job applicants to fill out the form and wait to be called to enter the inner office for the interview so what they were saying is you want to fill out this form and then to get into the inner office man that's when you know you did good. 
The young man filled out the form and sat down and many other applicants in the seating area. After a few minutes, the young man stood up, crossed the room to the door to the inner office and walked right in. Naturally, the other applicants looked up, wondering what was going on. They muttered among themselves that they hadn't heard anyone being called yet. They assumed the young man made a mistake and he was going to be disqualified. Within a few minutes, however, the employer walked out with the young man right next to him and said to the other applicants, thank you very much for coming, but the job has just been filled. The other applicants began grumbling to each other. The one who spoke up, and one spoke up saying, wait a minute, now how many y'all know, how many y'all know like, I, I just want you to know that'd probably be me. I'd be like, excuse me. Yeah, anybody else? I'd like to wait a minute, people. Anybody other than me? Anybody? I got one, all right, two, or we got three, we got four, all right. We all, we all relate to this guy. Because I'd be like, hold up. And so he says this, he says, I don't understand. He was the last to come in. He never even got a chance to be interviewed. And yet he got the job. And he says the three words in the English language that I cannot stand. He said, that's not fair. I'm like, give me a break. You know, it's like at some point you're just like, okay. Then he says this. This is from the employee. Finally, he says, he says, I'm sorry, but the whole time that you've all been sitting here, the telegraph that has been ticking out the following message in Morse code. If you understand this message, then come right in. The job is yours. None of you understood what was being communicated, and if you did, you didn't act upon it. This young man did, and therefore, the job is his. Jesus is speaking in this parable inside Luke chapter 8. I think a pretty interesting lesson. He says, they hear it, they cling to it, they patiently produce. They hear it, they cling to it, and they patiently produce. There is a difference between listening and hearing. There, there, there is a difference between hearing and doing. Like there's a progression in every Christian's faith. Every person I've ever met who has been fruitful in their life, there's a progression. They don't just listen, they hear, and they don't just hear, they do, because they understand what's being asked of them. They understand what's being said. And I've, as a pastor, I, I look at the landscape of ministry been doing it for about 20 years to see the landscape of ministry have an arc to it because what you see more than anything now is a whole lot of people listening. A whole lot of people coming to church, but they don't really be the church. So Jesus had this funny moment where he goes, everybody wants to be fruitful. I hear a lot of people talking about wanting to do something in life. And yet, most people stop at listening. Most people walk into the church, and they stop at sitting. And then they complain to God. This is the funny part, because I think sometimes God gets confused with us. Then they complain to God. They don't fit. They don't belong. And yet, they have not moved from listening, come on, to being fruitful. So I'm not saying you, you need to serve at Rise Church. And be a part of Rise Church. But you should be a part of a church that's doing something for other people in the world. So let me be the first to say to you as a senior pastor here, like, I just want you to know, you're not my people. This is not my church. You are God's people. This is God's church. If he wants to move me on, he gonna do what he gonna do. So my job as the chief steward of the church, as the senior leader, is to encourage you to stop coming to church. I know that sounds odd. 
but to start being the church so that you don't just get stuck in listening and move to being fruitful in your life. I've told multiple people this, like you, you can't, church is like a family and you fit or you don't. And if you don't fit, come on, somebody, you, you better go find a place to fit because you're, you're taking it away from you. You're, there's potential in you. But if you fit, you better start doing. You're, you're never going to be satisfied with the church. I'm not that good of a preacher. I'm just, we're just not. You're going to have to find that inner voice inside of you and go, I got to go do something for God. Instead of complaining to God that things didn't happen, come on, that, that you can start doing and not just listening. I'm thankful for your amens. I'd be much more thankful if you got up in the children's ministry and started loving on some kids about God and teaching them the word of God. We don't babysit our kids, but actually like be a part of life change or you come and be an usher or you come and be a part of our parking team or you come and be a part of the guest service. There's something about being a part of a family that we all desperately need. Moving from listening to, to hear to doing. So I asked myself, I said, God, what are some of the characteristics of being fruitful? Like, why would you highlight that? It was an interesting statement he mentioned. He said, he didn't just say, well, you know, or you can have fruitful soil and a good heart and God will bless you. He actually highlights some characteristics of fruitful people. And I'm going to give them to you. If you want to be a fruitful person, how do you be fruitful? Some characteristics. Number one is he said, you need to be honest and good hearted. Honest and good hearted. Verse 15, he says, and the seeds that fell on good soil represent honest, good hearted people. And I was reading that. And I was like, wow, that's really good. Honest, good hearted people. Good hearted people. I want to be an honest, good hearted person. I used to tell like when I first started dating Erica, it was a joke in, in our, I think I said this a lot. I used to say like, well, but I have a good heart. Like I have a good heart. Like I, you know, I like I'd hurt her feelings or something. And I would say something like this, guys, we do this all the time, but like, you don't know, I have a good heart. Like I didn't mean it. I'm sorry for, you know, I have a good heart. There's something good inside of me. And, um, I started reading the Greek about that, and, and the good, the, the, uh, the honest part went um, kalos in the Greek, and it's pretty interesting. It's like beautiful, inherently, or, or divinely good. So like you were good, like by the divine, so it had like a godly characteristic. And then your heart, there was a cardia, which meant like your inner self, your, your will, your intention, your center, the innermost you, the, the real you, the you that only God sees, the you that is only like when you're by yourself and it's just you and, and you alone, like that person, that you. And so what translation better would be those who have an inherently good inner self produce good fruit. And I read that and I was like, God, that's good. Amen. And then I read it again and I got less excited because then I started examining that on the platform of my life. And I read it again, and then I got even less excited because I was reminded of the bad things that I've done. And I read it again, and I got even less excited. And I'm like, and then I started to get frustrated with God because it seems to me the last time I checked, when I read in your book, God, I started like, I went from like celebrating what God said to arguing with God. Anybody ever do that in prayer? I do that a lot. Uh, God, you're good. And I start thinking about it. And I'm like, but why did you let this happen? You know? And I start arguing with him. I'm like, why are you going to ask us to do something we can't do? Because last time I checked, Matthew 15 said that out of the heart, there's some pretty terrible things that come. That there's some evil within my heart by nature. Like, I am not born 
into goodness. I'm born into sin based on the Bible. And you know that, too. If you got kids, you know, you're like, amen. I know exactly what you're talking about, Pastor. Preach. My kids, I didn't have to. How many of y'all didn't? Did anybody ever sit down? Let me just ask you a question. Did any of you ever sit down with your children and teach them how to say no? Let me answer for you. No. They came out almost knowing how to be disobedient. They knew how to defy your orders. Come on. Like, my kids will just do stuff where you, have you ever done the where they do stuff and you go, whose child are, who, who are you? Where did you come from? I didn't even, I don't know what you're doing. You're your mama's child. Stuff like that. And, and, and you look at that and you go, but God, how are you going to ask us to do something that is not possible? You're saying you want me to be fruitful, but the only people who are fruitful have good hearts and I don't have a good heart. So thanks God for that. <laughs> and I read something from, um, there was a famous pastor who said this one time. I thought it was good. He gave a commentary on this particular famous parable and he says this, his name's Charles Spurgeon. He said, the ground is described as good. Not that it was good by nature, but it had been made good by grace. And I was like, oh, God. I get it. So, God, what you're saying is that's not I'm good. So you're good. And then when I invited you into my heart, and the closer I got to you, the closer my heart reflected you. And the more I reflected you, the easier it is for me to be fruitful because that's what you do. You, you. So I, I, I move from knowing about grace to having a revelation of grace. And the difference, the difference, grace, unmerited, unearned favor of God, the, the difference between knowing about grace and having a revelation of grace is that you operate in it. You operate in it. You, you, you live your life with it. If you're quick to judge things and people, and life, i got to be so careful with this. Sometimes I get so convicted because something will happen that I don't understand or be mad about, and I'll be so quick to go, they should know better. Or anybody else quick like that? Well, you're so quick to just go, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they did that. And I'll forget that the grace that's been given to me, so I move from revelation of grace to now knowledge of grace, so I just know about grace. You know who did that really good? Pharisees. They're really good about it. They knew, they knew all the good things about God. They just never operated in them. Yeah. They, never, they, they could tell you about it. They're really good. They knew, the, they knew the Torah. Like, they knew it. They were like, this is, this is the, I mean, they had to memorize it to be a rabbi. So, like, they knew, and Pharisees knew. They were the teachers of the law. They knew what they were talking about, but they didn't know what they were talking about. Because if they did, they would operate way different. When you have it in your heart, you operate different in it. I'm really hard on me. Anybody else? You know who I'm the hardest on? Me. So if I make a mistake, I, it sits with me. Anybody else like that? Like, I just, I get so mad. I, be careful with that, because if you're hard on you, you're hard on other people. Yeah, yeah. It comes out. You, if I'm hard on me, you'll be hard on thee, is what I always tell. So if you're going to operate in grace, you better operate in grace first with yourself. And remind yourself, God, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. that I, The fact that I even woke up today is a blessed measure and gift of grace of God. And the thankfulness in your spirit. I'm trying to, if you don't want to be fruitful, this doesn't matter to you. But if you want to go be fruitful in your life, fruitful people, they just, 
They, have, they walk around with it. They love to hand out grace. In fact, they frustrate other people with their grace. Because <laughs> something bad will happen to them, and they'll be like, oh, you know what? They probably didn't mean it. It's all good. And you try to convince them that they did mean it, and it ain't all good. <laughs> right? You're like, you didn't see it right. Let me tell you exactly what happened and why you need to hold a grudge. Anybody ever try to convince someone to let go of their grace? You, you could have a knowledge of it, but not a revelation of it. He says, you got to be honest and good hearted. Second thing is this. He says, and he goes on. He says, so they're good hearted people. And they, so they hear it and they, they cling to it. They cling to it. Now, I don't know about you. I, in the worst parts of my life, I don't cling to the best things. I cling to the closest things. I cling to the easiest things. I cling to Ben and Jerry's when things are going wrong. It's, isn't it easy? Isn't it so amazing how like easy it is to go to the things that you think are going to help you? You know when your heart won't, but man, they feel good in the moment. Golly. I'm telling you what, it, it has a sound when you open up the pint. That chunky monkey just boom, just and it's like, and you know, while you're eating it, you're like, this is terrible. For Does anybody talk to yourself while you're eating something bad? And you're just like, this is terrible. I'm going to regret this one day. And this is not good. I need to stop. Uh, somebody stop me. And right? Anybody? Okay, good. Okay. Because you don't do the thing. And, and, and what I've noticed is fruitful people, they, they cling to the right things, not the closest things. So, okay, a couple months ago. I'm at the river. If you're watching online in Texas, what we do in the summertime, we go to the river, y'all. Like, that's what we do. We go to the river and we float. I didn't even know that was a thing until I moved here. It's a thing and I love it. So I'm sitting out here by the river. I brought my kids because, well, I'm trying to be a good dad and I regret it. From here on this, I'm just telling you, this is a story of regret. I regret bringing my children to this river. So we're sitting on the river and I'm doing the most American thing possible. I'm sitting on the river. I'm literally, I have a big, like, straw hat. I want you to just picture it. Okay, I want you to go there with me. I'm sitting on the river. I got a tank top on, sun's out, gun's out. Putting my big straw hat. I'm eating, if this is not, tell me this is more America than it is. I'm eating beef jerky on the river in one of those folding chairs. My, my, I'm wearing dad sandals, not flip-flops, the dad sandals, the ones with the straps. How many y'all, come on, dads. Before I was a dad, I didn't know these existed. I judged those guys that wear them, and I'm telling you, they're the best things ever. So I'm wearing my dad sandals. I got my foot up. I'm eating beef jerky, drinking a, a, a sparkling water, a, a bubbly, you know, a buble, a, a LaCroix, whatever. I'm drinking, uh, you know, Topo Chico. I'm, I'm drinking it. I'm, I'm just enjoying life, y'all. I'm peaceful. I'm a peaceful bro. I don't got no problems with people. But then I, all of a sudden, something stuck up on the back of my hair, like the neck, my hair. Just like, I think when you become a dad, you become Spider-Man a little bit. You get that like spidey sense that someone, something's about to attack you. And I just got this sense like I'm going to be the man to God is about to be attacked. And and I just don't know why. Why would you want to throw and hurt the pastor? And I look back and my children have devised a plot and have gathered a mob of people to come throw me in the river. And I look back and I remember thinking like, you know, you, you ever have those moments as a parent where you're just like, you know, I got to be honest with you. I don't know why we had you. You know, I got to be honest. <laughs> 
Like, I, if I didn't have you, me and my wife, we'd be traveling. We would do something. I'd have money. I'd have money if I didn't have you. You know, like, have money. Like, a lot of it. I'd have money. I'd go eat anywhere I want. People are like, we went out to dinner the other night. I'm like, that sounds great. Been, I haven't been out to dinner in 10 years. <laughs> Tell me how it was. What's it like to have a restaurant? Like, what, the, what do they do now? Is it cool? What's a server do? You know, I'm like... Oh, tell me about your life. I'm tired of it. I, you know, I eat macaroni and cheese at home, all right? So, and so I'm sitting there and I'm looking at them. I'm like, they're about, these, they're about to throw me in. So they get a bunch of their kid friends and I realize, look, and I'm like, look, I work out. I go to the YMCA, you know what I'm saying? I'm on that elliptical life, right? And I'm like, you ain't gonna do nothing. I'm strong, muscles. And, uh, and so, but I didn't realize that they had also recruited a bunch of adults that, you know, used to go to our church. They don't anymore because I asked them to leave after this. And so... <laughs> And they, um, and so they, they, she, they recruited a bunch of, the, so my kids, my own children, my own blood turned on me and got this mob to throw me in the water. And I got to be honest with you, you know, you get enough people to attack one person, it's just going to happen. And so I tried to fight it. I did. I tried to fight it. But there, I came to a point where you get to the edge of the water and you have to make a decision. At this point, you make a decision. Do you keep fighting or do you just go into it? Right. And so I was just like, well, I guess. I guess I'll just go into it. Now, here's what I realized about when you fall. When you fall, the natural human reaction is to do what? Is, is to instantly reach out. Like, I don't know if y'all do that. Like, you ever see kids or little babies, they actually do like a fall test, like where you can, a reaction test where like if you drop them a little bit, they'll go like that. Like, that's a, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like they, they, they do like a reaction test. Well, we do that too as, as humans. And so as I'm falling out, I, I, I reach out like this to try to grab anything I can. And what I realized is I should have just fallen in. Because when I reached out, I reached out and grabbed this rusty, um, like, metal piece of the dock that was there. And I'm telling you, I grabbed it, and it sliced my finger right open. And I'm bleeding everywhere, and they're all laughing at me. I'm in the water. I'm like, I'm bleeding. And they're like, ha, 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 I'm like, the pastor is dying here. I'm bleeding. My finger's about to fall off. I'm trying to wrap it with gauze. It keeps bleeding. I'm just, I don't know what's going on. I'm telling my babe, you got to take me to the ER. I don't know what's going to happen. I tell my children I love them, kind of, because this is their fault. And and you know what? Just just call the board. I might not make it. I, they need a new, Rise needs a new pastor. I don't know what's going to happen. Call the insurance. I don't know. Here are all my passwords. You know, well, here's what everything you need. You know, it was just a scratch. But like it... <laughs> It was, a, I felt like a deep scratch. And um, I mean, it had some deepness on my scratch of the, you know, I bleed a lot. And so I didn't realize that, but I was really scared. And I realized that like, it would have been better if I'd have just fallen in. It would have been better if I'd have just kind of gone with the season, gone with the moment, gone with it, and rather just kind of, you know, kind of pick myself up on the other side. And I think some people are like that, though. And what's problem is, is that the worst things right now are really easy for us to reach out to. They're actually the closest things. The worst things are the closest things. And the problem is, is it's almost like a conglomeration of all the worst things ever have been put into one really easy for thing for us to grab. And so what's funny is, is like, I don't know about you, but like the days where me used to wake up and reach for my Bible, I wake up and I reach for my phone. Anybody else? Like, but I don't, but you don't understand. I need to have my phone because it's my alarm. I have to have it on my alarm clock. I don't, I checked Amazon yesterday. There's a thing that they sell. It's called an alarm clock. It, I know it sounds crazy, but you, you just put it next to your night. You see what I'm saying? 
like even and even like I'll go like, well, my Bible's on my phone. I've noticed that like I could press my Bible, or ESPN is right there. What's going on in the sports world? I mean, I mean like, man, Facebook. What's up with everybody? Yo, oh, okay, Instagram. Oh, hey, what's up? I mean, come on. And the thing that I thought would bring me life, and here's the problem with some of those things. I really struggle with this as a pastor. Like, so I try not to like guilt people into not being on something that's unhealthy for them. I just really have conviction about it because there's no study in the world that ever says social media is good for you. In fact, everyone says it's bad for you, and it was designed to exploit the very human nature and condition of your brain to make sure that you're addicted to something that will not give you any life, will actually take it from you. That's from the founders. So, okay, I get it. It's a tool. <laughs> you see your friends. I struggle with it. I struggle with telling you the truth, which I, I think is it's not healthy. Yeah. And if you're reaching out to that first, it might be unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. might be hurtful. Yeah. And you might not produce fruit. So what do you cling to? Jesus says cling to God's word. So to me, I think maybe clinging in a few ways. Um, one of the ways you can cling is uh, you can hear God's word. I love what Romans says. It says like faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Yep. Like, there's a value in coming to church and hearing the word of God. There's something about hearing the preacher preach. Yep. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a preacher. Because before I was a preacher, let me tell you, I was like a preacher junkie. I wanted to hear every sermon I could, and I still do right now. I follow all the greatest preachers that you all love and send me texts and links to. Check out this preacher who's amazing. He's way better than you. Thanks. Appreciate it. And, uh, you know, like, I, I love all of them. But, like, there's something about hearing the word of God preached and giving you life. We need it. That's how you cling to it. Second way is reading it. You got to read God's word. I love it. He said, Revelation happy is the one who reads this book. And if you can't read the book, get a different translation, get a transliteration. Somebody asked me the other day, what's the right translation for the Bible? I said, the one that you can understand. Well, what about my pastor said that it has to be King James only? I said, well, what about before King James? King Jimmy ain't the only thing. What about before him? Like, I get it. I understand all the theological narratives from all of those types of things. Trust me, I've been in all those debates, and there are more smart people to, to walk that out. But I'm just telling you right now, I'd rather read a Bible that I can understand and get some life from it so that I can start living for it. Because it's not just about listening. Come on, I'm about doing. I want to go do the Word of God. And the last time I checked, I can't do things I don't understand. Let me get off my soapbox. Number three, study God's word. I think you can study it. I love how Acts 6, 17 talks about the, um, the, the early church really were dedicated in studying the word of God. I like how like they received it with eagerness and examining the scriptures. There's a, like a hunger for it. There's some great study Bibles out there. By the way, you don't need to be a pastor to read a commentary. Come on, somebody. Figure out what it means. Figure out what it says. Come tell me something. I want to. Some of the best messages I've ever gotten was somebody came up and said, I had a revelation. I was reading this part. And I was like, I mean, that's good. I went back and studied it for myself. And sometimes it was crazy. And I'm like, I don't know what Bible were you reading. And sometimes it was great. And I'm like, I never saw that. Why? What is those things? Go and examine. You're never going to go wrong going deeper inside of the word. And the last one is this is memorize or meditate on God's word. I like how Psalms talks about it. He's like, I delight in the Lord. I delight in his, in his word day 
and night. Sometimes you, sometimes one of the best ways to get the word inside of you and cling to it is journal it. Let me give you an easy journal. Can I give you an easy journal strategy? There's a, there's a strategy called SOAP. It's literally called SOAP. S-O-A-P. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. Let's just take John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Let's just say, okay, let's just say something like that, right? For, for God so loved the world. You can really, you just write out John 3.16. That's the scripture part. Boom. That's one. Observation. What is it saying? Well, it said God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. You can write that. This is what it means. Boom, boom, boom. Then application. What does that apply? How do I apply that to my life? Well, if God loved the world, then I can love the world. Boom. That's as easy as you can go. Application. Prayer. Then you start right. God, thank you so much for loving me. I'm going to walk out today and love your people for you on your behalf because they can see me and they can experience me. And I want you to make sure that they, when they experience me, they experience you. In Jesus name. Amen. Boom. You just journaled. And you just got some word inside of you. Just do something to meditate and get it into your life. Because I'm telling you, fruitful people, they cling to God's word. They just do. The last one is this, and I'm done. Because I'm running out of time. Because the little timer yelling at me. He says, they patiently produce. Now, I'm going to, I might, can I, can I have permission to possibly say something that you won't like? Okay, good. I got one. All right, that's all I needed. Um, he said, they patiently produce a huge harvest. Um, so I don't like the word patience. Anytime somebody tells me be patient, I always tell them, in my mind, I don't say this because I'm a pastor in the city. I'm trying to reflect you guys right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to be on the news. Local pastor, you know, yells at the, you know, waiter at a place or something you know what i mean like i don't want to be i just want to be that you know i'm like is that your pastor no we don't even go to that church you know it's like yeah, trying to be nice and so um trying to reflect god and uh but anytime somebody tells me to be patient i'm like well go faster you know that's like my response to it you know I, i'm just being honest can i be honest confessions of a pastor anybody else like that please don't leave me up here alone anybody okay i want to so we all got work to do i need to be better with my patience and i, I saw god here i said like, god why 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 be patient in my production, patiently produce. And he said, I felt like God told me, he goes, you know, Aaron, I need you to be a little more, just have some more grit and grind to you. He said, you, you're not patient enough. You, you, you give up too quickly. You let go too quickly. You just, you get too frustrated. You get too offended. You're too emotional. You need to just get some, I felt like he said, get some spiritual steel in your backbone. And I was like, okay. It reminded me. I was, uh, I was um, in football for one year. One year. I lasted one year. I don't even think I lasted the whole year, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> Mom, was that right? Was it? I was like half of a year. It was like two, <laughs> three weeks, something like that. She's on the phone. She knows. Now, I know that's shocking to you because of how athletic I look. And, and, I, you know, I lasted for not very long, but I did. I I signed up and I went to practice. And I remember we went to one game. And I, I remember the the first practice I walked out there. There's something different about baseball and football. I grew up playing baseball. I love baseball. Baseball is like my my sport. I love baseball. I'm like America's pastime. My favorite thing is going to the ballpark and getting a big hot dog and eating some sunflower seeds with my boys. I just man, it's my favorite thing. But football has got it's got a America, baseball's got a family feel to it. Football's got like a killer feel to it. Like, we're going to war. Rip his head off. Stuff like that, right? Like, no one from the, no one from the stands screams, be good to him. 
Hit him nice, gentle. No, no one screams that, right? They scream other things in, in very colorful language. And you're like, what's, you know, I, ha I have to like put earmuffs on my kids when I go to football games. And so I remember being at a football practice and my coach, and coaches are different in baseball. Now I'll give you an idea. Like, so let me just tell you something. So like I have kids, I have three boys that are in flag football right now. And I'm the coach at one of them. Okay, okay I'm not the coach at any of them. I'm a parent at them, but I'm pretty sure I'm, like, I, I have the right to say something as a parent to be, I'm basically the coach, okay? So I'm the coach, at least in my mind, at their football games. And um, the first game we went to, and the first practice we went to, I'm not kidding you, like, they walked up, they did the game, and then they started handing out medals. And I was like, oh, for, what are we doing? We lost the game! And they're like, oh, yeah, well, so we're going to highlight two people, and because you're here, you get a medal. And I was like, I started to have like flashbacks to my coach who was like, and he, I'm not kidding you, the first day of practice we had a coach. My, my coach walks in and he goes, let me just tell y'all something right now. And he started doing like the, he, did, he, he was like pacing, you know, and I was like, this guy is going to go crazy. Like, I don't know what's going, like, I was nervous as like a teenager. I'm like, this, he's, he's, he's kind of making me nervous. And he goes, he goes, we don't hand out trophies for showing up. Why don't you get ready? And he started saying some things in other languages, you know, and then I was like, you know, I'm like, okay. And he goes, when you go out there on the field, I, you better show up because if you don't show up, I'm going to make sure you know about it. Now get out there. I mean, he's like running. So after the first few days, you're realizing that if you don't do it with any type of grit and gusto, you're going to be running some laps. And when you run laps with pads in the heat of the day, you get really tired of it really quick. And so what you start figuring out is that, man, this coach is about this game. He, this ain't a game to him. This is the whole world, even though it's like Pop Warner and it's like Little League. Nobody's winning anything. There's no money involved. But this guy, is life is on the line here is what we thought. And so we're out there, and he's screaming at us. He's like, work harder, Grijalva. What are you doing? And I'm like, coach, I can't breathe. He goes, breathe on someone else's time. You know, it's like... I'm like, can I get some water? He goes, you can get water when you get some blood on your pads. And I'm like, what? I want baseball. Where's the hot dogs at? Slushies. Is it snack time is really what I was thinking. I'll never forget. He walks up and he goes, um, he gets out. We had our first game, and we got destroyed, y'all. And I remember walking back to the locker room, and I'm like, this is not going to be good. It's just not. It's just not. I don't, I don't even want to go back there. And I walk in, and he, the coach is just sitting. I remember, I'll never forget. He's just sitting there on his like, stool, silent. And we sat there for like five minutes. And I was like, we're about to die. <laughs> It. I'll never forget. He goes, let me just tell y'all something. He goes, what I saw out there was ridiculous. And I was like, I was about to be like, you're right, coach. And before I could get out, yeah, he was like, don't say anything. I'm not done. And I was like, he said this. He said, y'all went out there with some people messing around with the enemy, playing games, acting like it ain't no big deal and they ran all over you. Yep. The next time we go out there, 
get some grit, get some grind, and play like you care. And he slammed the door and walked out. I remember thinking, as crazy as that coach was, he was right, because when, when I was on the field, I was trying to have a good time and fun, and, and those guys were not trying to have fun. Those guys were trying to destroy us. And when I read the scriptures about the description of our spiritual enemy, he's not trying to have fun with us. He's, it's pretty clear. I've never seen any. You want to get really clear about what the nature of the enemy that we have is? He wants to kill you. He wants it to be slow. He wants it to be painful. He wants you to suffer. And we go up against him sometimes without any care in the world, acting like he's wanting to be our friend. He's not. And sometimes when we go up into those world with him, we get into a battle with him. We're like, well, if I can just negotiate with him, you don't negotiate with that guy. You take him out. There, there is nothing spiritual about laying down and allowing him to run over your life and destroy your marriage and destroy your kids and destroy your family and destroy your life and destroy your career. And destroy. There's nothing holy about it. So if I could be a coach to you for a minute, get some grit, get some grind. I'm thankful for the message of grace in the church, but sometimes that message can go too far in making you think that God's going to fight every battle for you. God fights battles with you, not for you. He wants you to be a part of it. He wants to bring you alongside of it. And the way he does that, he says, come on. Come on, son. Come on, daughter. You get up in this. Come on. You don't you give up. Come on. You got to have some grit to you. And when we give up, we were trying to give up. We're like, mm, it hurts. I don't know if I can do it. No, he's like, come on. No, come on. Don't mess around. No negotiation. No surrender. No truce. No give up. Come on. We got it. We're going to do this. That's how he works. So he, he gets us there. And so whatever battle you're facing right now, don't give up. No truce. No surrender. He will not let you go. He's not going to let your family go easy. He's not going to let your life go easy. He's not going to let your health go easy. He's not going to let your kids go easy. Stop playing with him. Go out there and take it. So gritty people, you know what they do? They show up on time every time. Let me give you some characters of gritty people. They show up on time every time. They just show up. They show up on time, every time, everywhere. If you have a work and you have a job and you're blessed enough to make money in, a, in the world that we live in today for a service, show up on time every time. When you come to church, hey, ooh, hey, 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 service starts at what time does service start? What time? 9.30. Nine, nine, what, hey, what time does service start? 9.30. Wait, what, hey, what time service start? 9.30. What time service start? 9.30 and 11 o'clock last time I checked. Not 9.35. Not after the last song. Dramatic pause. For effect. Anybody feel convicted other than me? All right, Pastor, keep moving on. 9 30, 11 o'clock, 
And then we're going to add one more for good measure for all those who love to sleep in. Come on. I'm just, I'm a, I'm a giver. I'm giving you a service right now. I'm giving you 1230. You can sleep in until 1145. Wake up, brush your teeth, somebody, throw on some deodorant, and then come to church on time every time. I'll move away from it. I know. It's, I know. I know. On time every time. Get things done. Second thing they do, they get things done. They get things done. Can y'all stop telling me what we should do? Stop telling people what they should do. Can you stop posting what we should do? Can you stop talk, telling the world what you should do and what they should do? Well, what they should do is change it to what I'm going to do is. And you get some stuff done. world has a whole lot of talkers. Everybody's brave behind a keyboard, by the way. But, 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 but there are, you know people I respect the most? People get out there and do it. Go out there and do it. Third one is they make room for others to succeed. Gritty people just do that. Gritty people are servant-minded. They just are. They love to serve people. They, I wonder, how can you succeed? How can you win? How can you win? How can I help you win? In football, they do that with the line. Those guys never get celebrated. They never win MVPs. But Tom Brady don't win no MVPs unless somebody's blocking for him. They're in the, the they're in the dirt. They're in the war. They're in the, 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 the that that zone where it's just fighting. And what they're doing is all they're doing is making sure, come on, someone else succeeds. Why? Because when they win, come on, we win. The last one is this, is they have thick skin and a soft heart. Let me just tell you what we need most in the church right now is unoffendable people. Can I say that? Please, for the love of God, if you are an offendable person, Please stop saying stuff that Jesus said, and I'm offended. He had the thickest skin and the softest heart. So you don't be hard towards people. You be soft towards people. But you don't allow what other people say. And It's easy to be a critic. So it's easy for somebody to say something about you that ain't true. But you got to have thick skin enough to be like, well, I'll be okay. God knows my heart. I'm going to do the best I can to honor people. Gritty people. Gritty people. Got to be able to hear it so you can understand it, so you can cling to it, have a good heart, be divinely inspired by grace, so that ultimately you can patiently produce, have some grit and some grind to you. I'm telling you, do that kind of stuff. That's what Jesus was talking about. You be fruitful every single time.